And welcome to Brown Meets World. Well, it's Brown Meets World. Your Boy Meets World fan cast. Welcome to episode 46. I'm Siege. And I'm your boy, Tony Coitus. Tony Coitus. Coitus, yeah. Tony Coitus. I like it's it. With a Jersey accent. <laughs> How you been? You know what? Uh, um, living better now. Gucci sweaters now. Drop top the you. I'm the man, girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I'm not going to lie. Um, my new... Um, Wi-Fi is what's your name? What's your sign in? Oh, yeah, right, yeah. Okay. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah I got uh, it. Well, as you know, I had my Wi-Fi name be I could eat a peach for hours. Yes. For several years. Yeah. Um, and now because of some activities with my dog, it's now called Dog Fart Kingdom. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like. I love change. the subtlety in that. You're like some, something. That... I really <laughs> like having a Wi-Fi name that where like the neighbors are trying to connect. They're like, "Who the fuck is?" <laughs> you know that that's the whole. That's yeah. The there you go. There you go. I like. You ready to talk about this? Episode? Yeah, let's jump right in. All right. So it's funny because earlier you and I were talking about this, and this episode, there's a lot to discuss, but I also feel like. This is just a part two. It, it, it is. It definitely feels like the part two. Well, you, last week you were even saying, like, this episode feels incomplete. It does. It felt like... It, this, I don't know, and I would, like... We should have done our research like again. Two but like, seconds <laughs> of damn research on the Wikipedia, guys. But, like, if this was, like, yeah, an hour-long special or something, that would make more sense, but, like... Or I wonder if, um... Because, you know... In, I feel like in reruns, we would get that to be continued, whereas yeah. on Netflix, I don't necessarily know. That's what know I'm saying. Like I don't know for sure. Are, sorry. I will say that, uh, I don't know if I said this to you, but um, I was listening to another podcast, um, my friend's podcast, that I thought we, the Batman podcast yeah. we talked about before, and they were like, we're not experts, we're fans. Yeah. <laughs> and I really hope that's, that rings true, guys. I was because... like, yeah, I was like, we are fans not experts because so many of you and i love it so many of you are like if you were to simply just do a like a boy meets world wiki search <laughs> so having done this boy meet meets world wiki search i can say that this did air on two separate weeks okay so we had one that aired on may 12th of 95 and the what episode we were about to review may 19th of 1995 okay wow 1995 yeah 95 crazy like, think, what's that? Gangster's Paradise? Ooh. 95? Yeah. Which means, ooh, maybe because Gangster's Paradise was on the, um... Dangerous Mind Dangerous soundtrack? Mind soundtrack. So maybe that's why we got a Mr. Turner taking in a student and, like, <gasps> oh, I mean... Oh, <laughs> yeah. They were like, this is it. This is our genre. <laughs> yeah. 23 now. Will I love to see 24 the way things are going? I don't know. Uh, here's the thing. That song even now like when i listen to it it's like it's feels like it's, it's a it's a bop but at the same time you're like yo shit. he's talking about some serious stuff and much like the biggie song it's that one that like yeah. people know when you play it yeah that was great. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so let's get into this. All right, let's do the Tell Me About It. Tell me about it. Tell me all about the show. Sean <laughs> don't have his daddy. And Mr. Turner, take him in. Sorry. You should have said, take him home. Take him home. It would have like, been like, oh, I ruined it, it guys. It would have been so great. All right, so <laughs> this is season two, episode 23. Home. 
<laughs> it's been three weeks since Chet left Sean with the Matthews, and everyone is beginning to lose their patience, including Sean. Feeling constrained by the Matthews rules, Sean takes off into the night, but is soon apprehended by the cops. He lies and tells them that he's staying with Turner, an arrangement that becomes true once Chet makes it clear that he's not coming home. Question, do police just take kids home? I know, well, like, not well. <laughs> White kids. Most I was likely. gonna say, like, usually they're like, I mean, they come home in like a body bag or something. Like, I, no, I, this is just no, a whole no. new. White kids are brought home. Yeah, um, but also, I, what I thought it was weird is he didn't take him home. He was like, oh, Sean was like, I'm staying with my teacher in this apartment building on the fifth fifth floor, and Cop was like, cool, makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah students stay with their teachers. Oh, all yeah, time. All, uh, yeah, line. <laughs> um, this episode really, I feel, is such a great segue into the next season, because, uh, like, I don't know if you felt it, but I felt such, like, this, like, dramatic shift yes. from just the kind of filler bullshit, like, yeah. trying to get popular episodes we've been seeing, all that griff. Yeah. fantasy whatever like this felt so grounded and so serious in a way that's really like defining of what the rest of the show is going to be it made me have a lot of questions when i was watching it and not a lot of questions in the sense that we're usually like where it's like who like where'd you get this money yeah. and like who like who had an entire boxing ring brought into the gym without 100%. being noticed like it didn't have those like questions it had me really ask myself like what's Turner's motivation and like yeah. how does it feel and um we're really going to get into this uh one of the things that I think is interesting is we don't really have a roll call for this episode which is great I mean to it wouldn't make sense I don't think to introduce new characters in the season finale yeah um they really kind of did their best to wrap up everyone's storylines best as possible although Eric never gets a conclusion um not really <sighs> what I think is interesting is we really see Everyone in the cast, with the exception of TP Topanga mm -hmm. and the kind of crew, yeah, that's those true. are the two that we don't really get. I mean, and again, it wouldn't make sense for them to be there at well, all. Well, those, four but we get Jason and we get side, I'm just saying, like, we yeah, more side characters, but yeah, Jason was in there, yeah. yeah. So I just thought that was very interesting. All right, um, one of the things that let me just go to my notes here. Uh, first of all, have you ever stayed? with other people's parents or, like, had to be under other people's parents' rules? You know, uh, I have a lot of cousins. Uh -huh. So, like, whenever someone had to go somewhere or watch someone, you need to just get dropped off with aunties or we have a bunch of cousins come over to the house. And it's one of those things where like, ah, oh, it's family, of course. But, like, two weeks, three, three weeks, weeks. <laughs> a month? Yeah. Family's like, yo, I don't, let's, the water's thick enough. <laughs> <laughs> water's big enough yeah, like, i like it yeah like get out so i mean i i think <laughs> never heard that when we're no, like, just made it up. water's big um, enough yeah. <laughs> but yeah and i think we all kind of knew and sean knew in the last episode when they were proposed this solution quote unquote yeah um that this wouldn't be something that would be easy for for anyone even though Corey was very excited about it at the time i will say even what's interesting is this episode, the last two episodes are really good, but what this episode did in my mind was, A, it brought Sean back up to kind of uh, a star of the, like, you know, it's sure. like, we've always known that Sh Corey and Sean's relationship is the a star of the show, but this really brings Sean's storyline to the forefront, 
in a way that, like, even with the Cherry Bond episode, it's like, what's Corey going to do yeah. in relation to Sean's mistakes? And, I mean, we we're, we definitely feel like we're light years away from the first season, but like you had mentioned, uh, Sean hardly got any uh, kind of special treatment or storylines other than the Cherry Bomb one in, in that season. Um, and he is the central conflict yeah. for the season wrap-up. Yeah. So just a huge shift from what we saw last season of him just kind of being that character, that lunchroom kid too, essentially. Yeah. And, you know, and him really just shining. Um, and I love everything that's going on with his family. It's just, it's so deep. It's so it's rich. very interesting. And I like, it's very real. Yeah. Because the reason why I brought it up, it's like, I was like, have you ever stayed with anyone or had people who were your guardians who weren't your parents for an extended period of time. I, and I honestly don't think I have. And the reason why I said that is because I had, and the thing is I was much older when I first moved to New York, my roommate at the time, her parents came to live with us while we were getting established. And it was like maybe a week, but it was excruciating because yeah. I have a different set of parents and I have a different set of like what it means to have someone who's a parental figure in your life. Yeah. And she had like Corey's parents. She had very attentive, very involved. This is when the family is eating. This is where the family is going this way and that way. And me, a kid of a single mom, I was just like, Oh, I don't, like, what do you mean? Like, I have to sit at the table or sure. I have to eat this. It's yeah. just, it was a lot of control that I wasn't used to. Sure. And I really understood Sean's, like, anxiousness and, like, that caginess that he felt. Yeah. Because it's, like, it's one thing to have to follow your parents' rules or to be someone's house guest. But when you are there for an extended period of time and you're, like, now under someone else is parents like you know you are their child it is it's a struggle it's a really really hard thing to do um and i i really love how they made it so it wasn't that sean wanted his old home it wasn't that he wanted a new home he just literally wanted to be free he wanted to be as free as a stray dog howling at the moon at night that whole scene which i'm sure we'll talk about more um and I just really, I, I love how his free spirit and Turner's free spirit kind of were able to meet and come to compromise. Uh, we're going to come there because I, I have a, uh observation I want to bring back. But um, before we get there, talking about the whole um, feeling Cajun or when we, even when we get to that uh, stray dog metaphor, what I realized, I was like, I mean, he's kind of like Chet. Yes. I mean, like, it's very, very, so. very reflective of Chet. Like, Chet, everything we know about Chet is, like, can't be tied down. I mean, he specifically didn't want to bring Sean because it's like, I got to find my Verna. Like, what yeah. am I supposed to do? Uh, <laughs> that logic will absolutely get back to as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I I thought that, too. I thought that Sean was maybe with the, even without him noticing taking on a lot of his dad's qualities. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah, really interesting stuff. Um, and I do, like, I do, like... As usual, we always have this thing we've talked about earlier in the seasons where Amy's the super parent and Alan's just like, but I do like that you have Amy at least, like, she's equally frustrated, but she's trying to embrace and make Sean feel, like, at home. Even though he's clearly doing things like the whole drinking out of the milk carton, which, again, I love that they don't just show it as 
Sean does it. And it's like, who were you raised by? Sean does it, and he goes, oh, my dad's... He tells you who he's raised by. He goes, yeah. my dad's whole uh, motto is, a cup, who are you trying to impress? Which I thought was <laughs> hilarious, by the way. Yeah, exactly. And But it's also it tells a lot about where he comes from. And I love the scene of, of Amy opening the fridge <laughs> and you seeing all the cartons that have been labeled with an S. Just to kind of let you know that like this is part of what the Matthews have been having to accommodate, as well as what Sean's having to accommodate. Um, because there, there, it, is, it hasn't been easy for anyone. Exactly. And it's like... Uh, it's one of those things where even later on he goes, I want to like clip my toenails at the yeah. dinner table without being judged. It's it's a small thing where it's like they are accommodating. Everyone's like, no one's like yelled at him for these things. Sure. But you still know that you're being judged. And you I actually know, yeah. really liked how they used Morgan. And yes. I'm pretty certain this is her last episode. I'm pretty sure this is the last time we see her too. Um, This Morgan anyway. Yeah. But um, how they used Morgan was they had her like eating ice cream saying that, oh, Sean said he could eat ice cream for breakfast. Showing just how like even Morgan is getting influenced by Sean and how the parents deal with that. Because that's initially what gets Alan fired up. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, And I, I did feel that Alan was, even though he was a little less patient than Amy had every right to feel and ask all those questions. I'm, no, no, no. I think that one of the interesting things is, in this situation, no one's wrong. Like, yeah. like Amy even goes, well, Sean didn't ask for this. You know, it's like it's not like he's doing this on purpose. She understands. That. And Alan even understands that it's Chet. It's yeah, really, and yeah. he goes, I'm not mad at him. I'm mad at Chet. Who would do this? But I also feel like it's this thing where Alan is... Alan's panicking in a way yeah. alan's like again he's like oh another mouth to feed it's like i'm barely keeping me and my family together yeah with my coupons and like sure, my discount yeah. and all this other stuff now i have another mouth to feed chet's not contributing anything and if we're gonna keep like having two sets one for sean and one for the family that's double the amount that i'm having to pay for yeah and it's like i feel like he's panicking a little in his sure. mind and amy's like i know but it will make it work. Yeah. You know, it's like, we will make it work. And I feel out. like that's what makes this episode such a strong episode is because every single character is relatable down to Jonathan and Kat. Yeah. Down to, uh, even Eric, even though he was as I, dumb as he's ever been, you could relate to him panicking for a test. I think he was as dumb as he's ever been. I feel like Eric, he got a, he, he didn't get his name right. He did, yeah. Yeah. But I think I, I want to get into that a little bit later because I feel like there's a lot of truth in Eric's storyline, yeah. it's just the sad thing to me is that it's played for laughs and never addressed for As a the problem that it is. Totally. Um, but to to go back to the Matthews and uh, Sean, it's funny because like we even start the episode off with Corey being the one like Sean, wrap it up. I have to get ready too, and it's, it's like. Such a stark contrast from Corey in the last episode. Yeah. We're like, I can't wait for this. Exactly. Well, it's all well not only that, but like Corey, for the most part throughout the episode, he's very supportive of like whatever Sean yeah. wants to do. But it doesn't mean he's not getting tired of it. Like sure. even when he's at school and Mister Turner's like, "Hey, how's it going?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> well, I, and I think even Corey kind of understands that. Like Sean, uh, you know, if we kind of go back to that uh, stray dog scene. Uh, Corey is trying to understand how to help his friend the best way he can and try to say, like, hey, like, 
you know, you, you want a home. You would want some place where you can feel safe, where you have people around who love you. Trying to, like, to, like keep him from going too far to that side of the tracks that we all know Sean is capable of going So, towards. you know what? That brings me to, I want to just make one note and then let's go to the stray dog conversation. Yeah, yeah. Because we keep hinting around it. But the one thing I want to say is when um, Turner is talking to Corey, he mm-hmm. goes, don't forget, my offer still stands. If you need me or anything, give me a call. Yes. And Feeney's like, so the students have your home number. And he's like, well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to be there and I'm trying to care. And he's like, I'm his teacher. And Mr. Feeney's like, you're right. You're his teacher. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and I, like, I wrote that down too because we were talking about teachers texting students. Yeah. I was like, oh, I wonder what Feeney would think about like, uh, student teacher text conversation. Like, yeah, Feeney would like not. Yeah. At all. But like, yeah, he goes, you're his teacher and only his teacher. Yeah. And I was like, I honestly remember I was like, no one's wrong. I'm on Feeney's side. Totally. If I'm being honest. But if you're Jonathan, you're not just going to let Sean. I mean, and I get that. But again, it comes back to how, how many times can you do this? And also, Sean's I, not going to be the only student that this happened with. Yeah, and you know, I don't know what the climate was like in 1995, but I would also feel like I need to protect myself and my job and my reputation from anything that could be looked at in a scandalous way. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think you're right. I don't know. We've had a different. We like we're in a completely different climate, a yeah. completely different world, as we often talk about. But I feel that this episode, what Turner does, it's it's looked at for what it's intended to be, which is purely, um, to be helpful. Yeah. To be helpful. That's what it is. It's like, it's meant to be someone who's like, I see a student, I see a, a, a kid, um, who's basically been abandoned and I relate to that in some way. And, and you know what? I really wish throughout all the bullshit of the season there had been something about Jonathan's past to come up to make us understand why he's relating to Sean. I'm absolutely, like, it's like it's so funny because moving into the stray metaphor, um, we can talk back about it. But I, I had the question. I was like, what is it about Sean that Turner connects to? What is this history? Because he says something. He's like, I know what it's like to. Yeah, we would also like to know why you know what it's yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, is it is. Have you seen this before? Have you been this kid before? Like, what is it specifically that Turner is connecting to? And uh, I was going to save this for later, but I can say it now because it's relevant. I also, seeing this episode and seeing how Turner moves and how they create this bond between Sean and Turner, Turner's just not giving his due. Like, as a yeah. he's just not as like a, they the way that they create this bond and the way that they make this decision in this episode I was like I watched it and was like this relationship was not given the respect it deserved and you know what wait for it yeah because all that's all season three is their relationship which in all fairness like obviously they're in a position where they have to do that now but like to your point it would have been nice if there was just a little bit more development if this didn't feel like a hey we need a twist for the season finale last minute well no i'm not even talking about i'm talking about in general knowing when the last time we see turner is yeah and i think it's like when i see this episode i realize oh just the whole arc of his character Yeah, he played such a huge role in the season and next season. Yeah, only to be one of those characters that just disappears. That they just kind of write off, and it's like, uh, 
No, he deserved much more than that. Yeah. Based on this episode alone. Sure. Like, this is like one of those things where it's like, even if he didn't come back next season, you would want a grounding reason as to what happened and, and where we go from here. And if you just started watching Boy Meets World from the later parts, from the senior year on, you would have no idea Turner was ever That's what I'm saying. There. So, so it's just, yeah, just, yeah. Really, just really a shame. So going back to the stray metaphor. Yeah. Uh, what is because I thought what is interesting about that is it was really funny when they first like you hear the dog yipping and everything. I was like, Oh god, Sean went and bought a puppy, and like now he's doing this whole thing where it's like he has a dog and he's hiding it from the Matthews. I thought that's where we were going from it, but then when Corey gets up and it's just Sean looking out the window, I was like, Oh no, they're, they're watching uh, a dog outside, and what was even crazier is I like how they show the different viewpoints. Of the same thing, the same, like, you know, it's like two sides of the same coin, where it's sure. like, he's like, oh, that's dog, he's like, so happy he had his freedom, and then Corey's like, he looks alone, and he looks like he needs a home, and I was like, both of those things can be true. No, I, I know that dog. It's a stray. It's probably barking because he doesn't have a home. He doesn't need a home. Mm, that's what he's saying. I need a home! <laughs> No, you didn't hear him right. He's happy out there because he's free. Like, as an adult, you know both of those. Yeah, things. and what I also really like about this is that I feel like kids are consistently told that the way Corey sees the world is the way they're supposed to see the world. Absolutely. And it was so nice, and I think even as, and I, I don't know if this relates or not, but just being a person of color, to hear that, you know, the path that everyone else says is right for you may not be right for you was really impactful as a kid as well just to, to know that like Sean was this acceptable free spirit yeah. that he wasn't this free spirit that well and I mean I guess you could argue that other like people are trying to pin his wings so to speak but he has really given so much more freedom than Corey or um Topanga throughout the, the series and I, I just thought it was really impactful so I agree and I disagree I agree in the sense that Sean is a free spirit and like that's shown as like a quality of his, but right now the show is still paying that as a negative quality. Yeah, uh, and but, I say that I only say that in the sense that once Sean goes, he like the moment Sean leaves, yeah. the next scene we see is him with the cops. It's not that Turner found him. It's not yeah. that like Feeney found him. He has been with the cops. That's the next time we see him. I guess I just thought it was interesting that that stray dog conversation was even like even the writers were like we want to make sure we have sean's point of view and that it's as justified as Corey's point of view that, that i agree with but remember how you and i talk about this show does a lot of things right and it's like that last little bit that little yeah. last yeah they just can't quite bring it home and it's it's unfortunate because you're right like the fact that they even had that conversation where it's like the two of them are showing the different sides of a situation um, and bringing their own baggage into the, the purpose of it. I thought that was great. But then the next, the fact that the next time we see Sean, he's being brought to Turner's by the cops. It kind of undercuts Sean's want for freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's also really interesting is that when you think about this stray dog metaphor, that's kind of 
what the whole show is asking us as an audience to do is to see things from two different perspectives. Absolutely. Every character, you have to think about, well, yeah, I can see Kat's point of view, but I can also see Jonathan's point of view. I can see Amy's point of view. I can see Alan's point of view. And forcing us to like, and Feeny. muddle through those gray areas of life where it's, it's really kind of uh, – a conversation of ethics and yeah. that's gosh this is where boy meets world yeah shines. honestly i think that if we were to do like a um if we had the time i would say i would love to do kind of like a good place type uh analogy or analysis of boy meets world and what i mean by that is if you've ever seen the good place every storyline they do they kind of link to an ethics uh, oh, philosopher yeah. and like what you know the decisions that you actually mean and like why this person's viewpoint is valid for what they're fighting for. Yeah. And I would love to do that because someone who has more time and research <laughs> capabilities, make that podcast. Oh, absolutely. We'll listen to it. Yeah. We'll promote it. We'll give you guys some free ads. Yeah. It's, yeah. It'll be definitely someone else. Do that. <laughs> but like, no, it's really great because I do feel that you're right. It's like, it's asking us these ethical questions, yeah. uh, which is part of the whole world aspect of boy meets world it's like yeah things seem simple and you feel like you know what you would do in a situation but what do you do in this situation or who do you judge in this situation yeah. i mean because there's no right or wrong there's no villain of well maybe chet um but there's no real bad guy here to blame for all of this you but, really have to force yourself to think well would i do it any differently and if so why well, yeah, exactly. Well, and even with Chet, like, let's go with Chet. Chet is like he's understood to be the bad guy, but we don't. Re they make him a lovable character. They could have made Chet an abusive father. They uh, could have yeah. made it. They don't do that. What they just say is this guy is ill-equipped to and be a parent. He gets laughs every yeah. scene he's in, and that's what I'm saying. Is like I think there's something very interesting about the fact that they show Chet as someone who's constantly trying to escape responsibility. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's interesting because they could have made him a villain. They could have made it a place where Sean Ike Turner. Yeah, they could have Joe made, Jackson. <laughs> yeah, they could have made it where like Sean needed to be removed. Yeah, you know, and like he needed to find a place. But that's not what they do. There, there's no all of this misconception that Chet doesn't love Sean. Yeah, it's just that Chet doesn't feel like he's the parent that Sean needs, and in a almost altruistic almost selfish way he's like you do it yeah and i mean really this all of this episode is asking us to analyze choices yeah and even chet who <laughs> as much as i can't understand any of his motivation i'm forced to put myself in his shoes and figure out why is it that he doesn't want to come home and take care of his kids so it's just a real complex not only that but let's just talk about the the phone call from chet and how he Chet, waited three weeks to make a phone well, call. Well, he waited three weeks to make a phone call, which is a problem. But what I'm talking about specifically is they go, well, I think you should say this. I think you should tell this to Sean himself. Wait, he no. goes. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go yeah. Ahead. And he goes, if I know my son, I just did. Yeah. And that, I mean, what that says is he does know Sean. You know, it's like he understands his kid. It's uh, it's not the qualities that we would like, and he doesn't do it in the way that makes us feel comfortable. But he also know what he knows of Sean is that when two adults are talking or having a serious conversation, there's a kid listening. Yeah. So what he knows is that 
whatever arguments that he and his mom had, Sean was hearing it. Sean was hearing his mom complain about him not having a job, him not being able to keep money and whatever. And that's all the things that he's like, this is why I can't come home because I'm not that guy. And, and in a way, he's kind of a better parent, at least in that aspect. Because, <laughs> well, well, no, I was talking about then the Matthews because very often they do talk. And I mean, like, think about everyone else in that kitchen. They were talking as if... She, as if they were in some bubble. Yeah. As if, like, you know, the kids don't have any understanding that yeah. uh, that real-world consequences are happening right now. And the fact that Chet's like, look, I mean, you can all pretend like you're making this decision in a bubble, but if I know my kid, and if I know kids at all, they're listening. They, they're understanding that bigger things are going on. And, uh, yeah. Um... There's uh, the phone call that we're talking about. Um, like I said, it happens three weeks, and when Alan's talking to Chet, he is not—he's not that reasonable guy that was talking to him last time. No. Just like, oh hey, you're gonna come back soon. He's like, hey, are you planning on supporting this kid? Are you planning on coming back anytime soon? Give us any update. Where are you? Oh, I'm either in Indiana or Georgia. He couldn't even give them a an, an location of where he was because he doesn't want to be found. And it's just one of those things where. I can understand Alan so much in that moment. Oh, I get, I don't, there's no part of me that's judging Alan in this because yeah. I get Alan. Yeah. And I even get, again, for me, when Alan's like, dude, yeah. <laughs> he's like, dude. And Amy's like, we'll make it work. Again, it's like, this, it's very true to their characters where Alan's just like, a, oh my God, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. And Amy's like, I am just as angry as you are. But I will say to Amy's point, she's probably like, the kids are upstairs. We don't want to get too loud. Let's we'll deal with this. And you know what's funny is that um, Amy seems to be the one most concerned about Sean. Absolutely, how he's feeling. If he's comfortable, she's the one writing S's on cartons. She's the one's like, okay, we can we can work with this. We yeah. can figure out a way to make this happen. And um, seems to have Sean in mind even more so than Corey and Eric sometimes. Yeah. Even more so than well, Phoenix because she sometimes. understands. Like I think very much, kind of like even Turner. It's like she understands that everyone else is looking at the situation that Sean's in, and they're not thinking about Sean. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like everyone's just like Corey's like, oh, it's like a fun sleepover. It's only temporary. Um, Alan's like, oh my god, this is costing me so much money. How much longer will it last? Um, Eric's like, this is a minor inconvenience. I'm stressed about this. Amy and even Turner are the only ones who are like, but how is this affecting the main person yeah. in this? It's like because yeah, Chet hasn't called back, but Sean's used to Chet. But what does it feel like to know that Chet hasn't checked in in three weeks? Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, we know that you have anxiety, but what about the dude whose parent it is? I wonder if Amy feels like a maternal instinct. It would have been really nice almost to have, like, and I, I'm just, Her I have know, a moment. They can, they can only shove so much into, like, 22 minutes or whatever it is with commercials. But it's to have her and Alan have a conversation where she's like, you know, I don't understand how Bernie could do that to him, or or yeah. something like that. Like as a mother, I'm not, I I sympathize and I want to be there for him. Some kind of conversation where they try to like separate from the kids around, but very different. I'm oh, sorry, very much like what you and I talked about last episode. I was like, 
I feel like you're not wrong in the fact that I wish they had shown this, but I also feel like Amy doesn't, she's never judged Verna. And that tells me that there's something else there. You yeah. know what I mean? She didn't go, how could Verna do this? She was just like, all right. <laughs> or, I mean, obviously, it's a kid's joke. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah, exactly. even just like a, I wonder what Chet did to Verna conversation. Like, but again, I think, I think... These are all kind of unspoken. Yeah, they're unspoken, and I feel that, at least from Amy's point of view, she's aware. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just like... I, I really wish we had gotten some scenes that, like, ex- expounded on that, but that would involve them writing yeah. more dialogue for Amy. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> or if, like, gosh, if this was how the season was planned on ending, instead of, like, we're going to have two random Griff episodes and yeah. jump right into this, they really could have built it up Sprinkled a little nicer. Sprinkled yeah. in and out. You're right. Um, like, but I, what is interesting is, speaking of, like, sprinkling things in and out, it is interesting that we've talked about this. For most of this season, Sean talks about his mom. Yeah. In a way that we weren't used to. We were like, you and I was like, I guess she's still around. I guess Verna's still around. Like, we kept waiting for the shoe to drop because we were like, when does she leave? Because as far as we can tell, she's a prominent person in Sean's life. Sure. Much more than you and I remembered. Yeah. And I think that in a way, I agree that they didn't do it properly, but in a way, they did kind of set it up to be like, no, this is a huge vacuum in Sean's life. And Chet's like, well, this is this is as usual. Even the Matthews are like, well, this isn't outside the realm of comprehension. But what does that feel like to be a teenager and your parents just disappear and yeah. leave you with other people? Sure. Even if they're people that you like and get along with. Yeah. All right, so well, well, real quick before yeah. we move away from that phone conversation, um, Amy runs to get to the phone, and uh, Chet's like, "Oh, Amy, you sound out of breath. Did I catch you in the middle of something?" Again, very Chet, very inappropriate. <laughs> Speaking of that, I would like to also uh, bring our attention to the first time we see Cat and John when she has a bag. Yeah, yo. She's like, "Hey, sorry, I ran off this morning. No. They've been fucking. Yeah. Sorry, I ran off this morning. I left this bag. Sorry, I took off so early this morning. Oh, that's okay. Look, you." Uh... I left this in my place last night. Oh, no, silly. Just, just, just leave it in the bag, please. Sorry, I've got others. You can keep this at your place. I wouldn't know where to put it. You don't have to get scared every time I leave something at your place. I'm not scared. I'd be scared if I started wearing it. And the entire time, I'm no. fucking Brad Pitt watching it. What's in the bag? <laughs> What's in the bag? <laughs> well, so I'm with you because, to correct you a little bit, Turner brings the bag. Okay, and he's okay. like, hey, you left this at my place. And she looks into it, and she's like, oh, well, I have plenty of those. And you're like, okay, again, what is this? What's in the bag? And then what they kind of hint at is the only reason why we get a little bit of hint of what it is is when he goes, I'm concerned about wearing it. And, you know, it's just like a... <laughs> And it's just like, a, all right, so we know it's an article of clothing. What article of clothing? We don't know just yet. But it fits into a brown paper bag, and uh, she has lots of them. I, you know what? I did not, I must have not heard that yeah. line, because I was thinking, like, is it a diaphragm? Is it I a... thought, again, every, all of their dialogue makes it sound like it could be anything. Yeah. I was like, just say it's tampons. They're like, you know, whatever. Yeah, tampons, but no, maybe. She looks into it, and she says something. She was like, well, you can keep this one at your place. If that's what you're worried about. I thought maybe it was a sex toy. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, if that's what you're worried about. And he goes, no, that's not what I'm worried about. 
I'm worrying about like me wearing it or something like that. And I was like, okay, so now I'm assuming it's a thong of some of yeah, some sort. Some some draws. Yeah. Um, but also Feeny in that whole interaction. Yeah. It's I I I like There's it. So and much I don't attention like it. given to this bag. <laughs> <laughs> they comment yeah, on this well, so much. Like, yeah, well, it's, it's so crazy that Feeny would come up and say, "Hey, you you brown bag in there? Though yeah. we're having lunch today." And you're like, of all the things, like yeah. you just comment on the fact that, and he's like, "No, this isn't my lunch." She goes, it's fine. You could have left it there. You guys 100%. are adults. I wouldn't have asked any other questions. And then hey, he's like, this is not my lunch. <laughs> yeah. I, we, we're still on. Exactly. That's it. I wouldn't have tried any more. Like, well, what's it? What is it? Yeah. Why do you have it? <laughs> Tell me more about the contents yeah. of this mystery brown bag. And so, also, they're in the middle of the hallway. It's just like, y'all couldn't do this in his office? Yeah, you couldn't do this anywhere else. Hey, Turner, let's step inside your classroom while those students are there. Let's talk about uh, this. Oh, parking lot. Like, there are yeah. plenty of places you could do this. That I just thought was hilarious. But, uh, so let's talk about Jonathan and Kat. Yeah, okay, so, I mean... We've uh, they're saying that they've been dating for four months, which I thought this has been going on for way longer. I mean, it's definitely been having for the majority of the school year. But we talked about this. Maybe they were they've been dating for four months, but they was fucking early. Yeah, they were hooking up. Too. <laughs> so they've been together for four months, and Kat's just like, "Are you gonna marry me or not?" <laughs> Real flat out, like so, not even circ. Like, I will say, I looked at it and I was like, I they kind of hint at it and even mention it. I was like, well, she is older. How so old did they say they sense. are? They don't say how. They They're the same age. She she just goes, we're the same age, which proves my theory that she is getting older. And she's like, I don't have time to mess around. If we're serious, we're serious. And I just, just want to know if that's a path we're on. Listen to me. You are a good, gentle man. And I could spend the rest of my life with you and have children with you and know they will always be taken care of. When you hold me, I feel safe. Now, if you can't say the same to me with the same feeling, then don't let me give any more of my heart to you. Which, by the way, let's give a round of applause for Kat for handling this situation like a damn adult. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's not, like, she was the most upfront, honest, just like, here, this is what I'm saying. Either you feel it or you don't. And when she got the hint that he didn't, she was just like, good luck to you. Oh, my she God, that petty. good luck. She wasn't mean. She was just like, you know what? Best of luck to you. And Well, what I thought was really interesting about that, good luck, it said a lot. Because he was like, denied Kate. You know, it was just like, oh. Oh, I, we'll I, talk about this yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. She was like, nah. You gave me your answer. You gave me your answer. And I'm cool with it. She was like, I'm not even going to fight you on it or anything like that. And R, what's even better is, it's actually a great segue because the cop, being like, good night, Mrs. Turner. Yeah. It's like, it's, first of all, if you've just had that conversation, it's like the twist of the yeah. night. Yeah. And then, um, Sean like, being like, congrats. oh, congratulations, kind of being funny. And she's like, is that just a Miss Tompkins? And again, that, it tells you everything you need to know. She's giving you her resolution yeah. in that moment. And it's actually pretty powerful. And you know what? Like, I really have to give it to Boy Meets World because that is such like, a subtle adult thing that as a kid watching the show, you wouldn't even pick up on the gravitas of that conversation yeah. or like what all those subtle little comments meant, but they were able to really within the few lines of dialogue they gave her, like sum up all of those feelings and emotions and all of the, like the, the weight of what this means for the relationship. Um, Yo, this, this well, is so a good episode. Yeah, so what's interesting about that is, one, I was a little upset because it's, like, it's the constant men can't commit trope. 
Yeah. And I was just like, oh my sure. god, you know, he was just, but I will say, the fact that he, it started off with him being like, you have nice eyes, and her being like, don't say that if you can't marry me, and him like, you don't know how to take a compliment yeah. at all. <laughs> but that also seemed, again, after four months, that seemed kind of... I'm not disagreeing, because I wrote down four months? Yeah. Like, that does seem a bit Like, if strange. it had been like, hey, we've been dating for almost a year now, like, something like that, like, hey, we've been dating the whole school year or something, but... Four months. months. but That's I, one season. That's winter. That's but, cuffing season. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But that's why I wrote down, I was like, well, she is older, yeah. so there's that. And I just, Do you think they're in their late 20s or early 30s? I think they're supposed to be in early 30s. I would have given her. See, you know what? If I if it was just Jonathan being a bachelor, I would think 28, 29. Yeah, but agree. they're talking like they're 34. I think he's like, and just on, honestly, if we're talking about like him having the maturity to take in a teenager... I'm hoping he's like 30. I yeah, you 30, know what I mean? Probably 30. I'm thinking 30, 32. But that's the thing. That's what's so great about Jonathan in this episode. <laughs> it's cuz he's he, it's not that he's not ready for commitment. Cuz he by taking in Sean takes on such a larger commitment than he would have in a relationship like that. He was ready for a different kind of relationship. But I think what's interesting, at least how I saw it was that that was exactly what Cat picked up on as well because she goes are you ready basically can you commit to something yeah meaning can you commit to me and when sean came in he was like remember the cop was there this is also not the first time that sean has interrupted two of them no no not at all but what i'm saying is when sean shows up with the cop and the cop's like is it true he's staying with you he goes yes it's true i have like ownership of him she's like oh so it's not that you can't step up when you need to is that you're choosing not to with me and i think that was what yeah i think that was honestly what made Uh, her be like no it's still miss tompkins because it's not that you can't do it or that you are overwhelmed by the idea of responsibility it's that you do it when you want to do it and you don't want to do it and that's okay yeah and you know what (laughs) i'm sure with cat being around jonathan all the time jonathan being so intertwined with this whole relationship with sean and the matthews she knows exactly what's going on that's what i'm saying she knows what's happening and for yo this episode (laughs) the more we're talking about it i am more on board with it it's just so well written i will say it's well written i mean because it's definitely as you said we get several viewpoints and i like what you point out it's like for every single character we are able to look at the duality of it it's just like a Turner's not wrong to be like, yo, it's been four months, slow down. But she's not wrong to be like, I mean, honestly, I'm asking you if you, like, I can see myself having kids with you. And I know that they'd be taken care of. But don't let me give any more of my heart if you can't say this thing. Which same. is so, like, fair. It's such a that fair, fair thing. It's fair. Yeah. <laughs> to be like, hey, I look, I understand who you are. And I see all these things. And, yeah, I kind of hit you out of nowhere with it. But, honestly, all I need to know is don't let me give any more of me if you can't say the exact same thing. Yeah. And it's completely fair because, A, not only does he not say anything, but when the time comes for him to actually show responsibility, he takes it with very little hesitation when it comes to Sean. Yeah. And that gives her everything she needs. And it almost felt like... Turner had been readying himself to make this decision. Like, he had kind of, like, yeah. had, had been considering, maybe considering it for a while. He just seemed so ready for it. Yeah. Um, but what I do think... All right, so now let's talk about Turner and Sean. 
Yeah, so, I mean, especially, we, we get to this point where, you know, I don't even think we could finish that because we need to talk about Sean's reaction to hearing the Chet phone call. Because what Sean says is, he's like, that's fine. If none of you want me, I don't need you. Him feeling like I'm abandoned, no one wants me at all. Only to have Turner be like, no, I want you. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that, for Sean, was enough for him. I think for whatever reason, he was able to understand... So it's really funny. I mean, I like where you're going at, because what I... What I liked was there was this almost immediate comfort that Sean had. Yeah. And, I mean, the reason why I wanted to bring up Sean and Turner anyway is, like, there is something to be said. I mean, of course, it's a TV show. It makes sense. But the idea that Sean, when he feels in trouble or when he feels alone or whatever, he turns to Turner. Yeah. Says a lot. It says a lot about what Sean thinks about Mr. Turner. And they really do try to mirror them as much as possible. They're both wearing leather jackets. No, no, no. They they're, both have great hair. I would say, no, no, no. They're not both wearing leather jackets. In that final scene, I made this note. They're wearing the exact same outfit. Yeah. It is a, a blue top, green pants, and a leather jacket. Yeah. Now, they're different versions and different yeah. styles, but they are literally mirrored in each other. And I looked at it, I had looked at it, and I noticed it, and I was like, I see what you're doing here, and it's brilliant. Because it's subtle. It's not like as obvious as those two yellow sweaters were, but, like, it and is... And I, I think, to answer your question, they were using that subtleness to explain their connection. That, Absolutely. like, they're more alike than even maybe they understand, but they kind of get that. Well, no, the fact that, like, when when uh, Sean hears it and runs upstairs, Alan and Amy run after him, but Jonathan runs outside. Like, yeah. he almost runs upstairs. He goes, that's not... That's not him. That's not it's him. It's kind of showing that he knows, he understands Sean in a way. And, and he, again, I wish we got the understanding as to why. I wish we got a line of dialogue that was like, I was him, or my brother was him. Maybe or, maybe we're just supposed to understand the way that Jonathan has been this bachelor. And like the more of that whole like just wanting to be freed, that all the his fears of being tied down in a relationship are, are kind of mirrored with Sean's ideas of what a family is and how trapped that makes him feel. Um, maybe it's just that feeling of being trapped that they were able to relate to that's less deep than what we wanted Jonathan to go with, with it, but still well, enough to kind of pair them. I think Jonathan even where he goes? He goes, I'm not offering you, I'm not trying to be your dad. I'm offering you a roof. Yeah. And a window to climb out of. Yeah. You know See, what I mean? Kind of saying, like, you'll have a little more freedom with me, but I'm still going to be on yeah. you. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm offering you security and consistency. What you do with it, specifically with a window to climb out of, what you do with it, that's up to you. Yeah. But I'm, honor, I'm offering you a little bit more stability than you would have if you just try to make it on your own, which you and I both know you don't want. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like you don't want to have to make it on your own. Well, I think he understands too that Sean's grabbing his bags without anywhere to go. Well, then he thought. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to take off. I'm going to do what dad does. I'm just going to leave. Exactly. Um, so, but like, I wanted to talk about the first conversation they have in Turner's apartment. Because it's the first time Jonathan really asserts his authority. To Sean. Yeah. And it's funny because even when he does it, Sean's kind of like, he writes it off as a joke. He's like, oh, you're, that's exactly how it, but it is, it's so funny because it comes out of nowhere 
that like even as a viewer, a little of me is like Jonathan's serious and it makes sense, but it's also almost comedic. Yeah, you know, where what I mean? like you can you can understand why Sean is kind of smirking at it. Yeah, he's just like, wait, what? Where did this come from? It's really interesting because Jonathan says a line to Sean. Um, when they're by the tree talking, he's like, you know, I was beginning to feel like I didn't care about anything. And that that feeling, I think when Kat confronts him with, like, what, what do you want? I think Jonathan understands there's something. Even if it's not this, there's something that I need to help me grow as a person. Um, Which, again, goes back to her understanding that it's not that you don't want responsibility. Yeah. You don't want what I'm offering. And I get that. But what's funny is... It's so kind of to tie that thread in. He specifically says when Sean is brought by the cops and he's yelling at him, he goes, well, when I see someone I care about. Yeah. And so when later on he brings up, he's like, well, I needed something to care about. It's like, I think in that moment he realizes that he cares. And what's crazy is Sean didn't really hear him the first time he said it. Like when he was like, when I see someone I care about, I was like, whoa, that's a, this is a teacher again. To, to touch on this point precisely, and I'm going to put some corners in the jar because I'm going <laughs> forward. Yeah, go for but it. But when Sean joins a cult, <laughs> not to go too far because we yeah. have a lot to say about that episode. But when Sean joins a cult, Turner says, you know, there's only a handful of people in the world who care about you. And he's, and, and, and as you're talking about it, I'm kind of under, I'm thinking about all these bits of dialogue I've heard Jonathan say that Sean, and it seems as though him more than anyone else, almost more than Corey, is constantly communicating to Sean, I care about you. Absolutely. And I feel like Corey has those moments occasionally, but Corey also gets distracted with school and his brother and his well, girlfriend Corey's and all this other thing. He's a kid, yeah. But Turner's the only adult that's like, no, I care about you consistently, consistently. He's verbally sane. Yeah. Because you're right. It's even like, think, take into consideration the, uh, the call from Chet. When they turn around, they realize that Sean's been hearing, and Sean goes, "If none of you care, or sorry, if none of you want me, fine." And as an adult, as older individuals, you can look and you like everything they're doing shows that they care about you. Yeah. You're in their house; they're paying for you. But it's like it's all showing. What he was listening to was what you said, and what you said yeah. was, "How much longer do I have to carry this burden?" And Chet being like, look, I can't carry it anymore. The only person who didn't speak was Jonathan. Yeah. So you're right in the sense that Jonathan understands that Sean needs it to be said. Yeah. The actions and all this other stuff. Like, even, like, think about very often when the struggle with Corian and being like, oh, do you think, what, do you think people just do this? Yeah. Do you think having a friend like this is just common? I don't think so. I don't think scumbags, but Jonathan says all the things that everyone else tries to show Sean. And to your point, I mean, later on, we kind of realized that Sean is kind of a low-key poet. Um, yeah. And I really think that words are his love language. And I think that... That's so great. great. I think that words mean, even though Sean is not one to have a lot of words, words mean a lot to him. And the way... Uh, people talk to him, what they say to him, I really feel like makes a huge impact on him. So I think you're right that Jonathan actually speaking it is it resonates more than Corey being like, oh, well, we spend quality time together. Or Amy, I buy you gifts. Yeah. Those aren't his love languages. Absolutely. He needs the, he needs the verbal yeah, confirmation. Yeah. Which is funny because when I started laughing while you were speaking was when Jonathan goes, 
uh, why aren't you this smart in my class? And he goes, well, math isn't my subject. Yeah, and which was, by the way, because <laughs> we kind of skipped over that quote, and it's so funny. John, Sean's like, yeah, women. What do you know about women? What do you want to know? Well, what do you want to know? What do you want to know? Yeah. yeah but no, what was funny about me from that is, because again, you were like, words are his love language. And he turns like, I'm your English teacher. Yeah. And then Sean goes, well, why are you teaching me that? <laughs> and Turner just looks at him like, are you serious? Like, like, yeah. Do you mean this? Do you honestly not know what I teach? And that, I mean, like, it's just funny because... Oh, like, let's just take that for what the show is saying. If Sean really doesn't like connect that uh, Turner is his English teacher, then it wouldn't make sense that... In yeah. all fairness, <laughs> Sean just found out what school was for, like, three episodes That's, ago. You're not wrong. So I, and I think, you know what, if you remember being a kid and having to go to school, like, what you really consumed your thoughts with that day had almost nothing to do with what was being taught to you, but it was, like, the drama your friends were in. Absolutely. Or, like, what was going on with the person you had a crush on. Like, these are the things you focused on in school that consumed you hour by hour. Like, you weren't really... Well, the older you get, the more you realize that school is mostly socialized. Yeah. Forefront, at least when you're that child or that age. And you don't... You just don't understand the importance of what you're learning because to you, what's the most important thing... Are those social dynamics. Yeah. And then as anyone will tell you, college, especially freshman and sophomore year, that's exactly what it is. Freshman and sophomore year, for the most part, depending on what school you go to and what your what courses you're taking, it's just like a rehash of everything you should have learned yeah. in high school and then you learning socially how to be responsible for yourself. Sure. Yeah. That's what it really is, the first two years of college. And that's kind of like, I understand, Sean, like, whenever I think of high school, I don't think about all the classes I took. I think about yeah. the friends and the uh, social circles. And, and Sean, who cares so much about his friends, who clearly cares about his family, even though it's not something he talks about a lot, you can understand why on the day-to-day, he's like, well, dude, you might as well be teaching math, because, like, I yeah. got so much. And also, it's, you're talking, but you're not talking my language. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. When you when you when you want to communicate to me, you know how. Exactly. But you know, until you're able to relate what you're teaching in a way that I specifically can understand, and that's the challenge these boys give both Feeney and Turner. It's Constantly. not enough to say it; you have to say it in a way that we can get it. Look, like, I think about think about early on in this season when uh, Sean was like, "I read the book," and everyone was like, "Oh, He's yeah. Like, yeah." Why? Because they they brought up something specifically that was relevant to him. You read this book, you won't have to take the test, which is crazy because the test is the way easier version than having to read this book. But you are so averse to taking tests that you're willing to do the harder part. Yeah. Um, Which is a perfect segue, test-wise, into... The Eric segment. Which, well, you know what? There's so much silliness about Eric, but you're right. I mean, you kind of talked about how this is really a serious issue of just anxiety and test taking and how it really stresses him out. But what I love is that we're beginning to see that Feeney-Eric yes. relationship. Yes. Where Jonathan's like, where Feeney's like, you can't be so close to your students. And Jonathan's yes. like, you're constantly looking out for the Matthews. And he's like, what? Eric, watch your head. And then <laughs> Eric ducks Eric, down. Eric Locker. And Eric just like immediately does. And it's, you're right. A, I didn't think about it, but this, we are starting to get this Feeney 
Eric relationship, which we will all come to love and enjoy. Um, but we also get, we get kind of Feeney's understanding of that balance because he goes, look, this is an unfortunate consequence <laughs> of, of me, being, next door. me living next door. But also it's like, a, yeah, I can't get away from being attached, but you're right, I'm attached. Yeah. And then also... Feeney doing that thing where it's like he's teaching, he knows what Eric needs. Yeah. Um, and everyone else kind of, or it's, it's played off as like him taking advantage. But in reality, he just knows that Eric listens to him and Eric trusts him. And if he were to just be like, you just need to sleep. And well, that's what's really it. great is that Jason basically says the same thing that Feeney says, but Eric's not in the position to listen to Jason. But exactly. when Eric thinks he's like, oh, you know, I'm getting one over on Feeney. Very similar to, to Sean, Sean yeah, where it's totally. like, a, if they think that they're beating the system, not even that they, they will the system, go with it. <laughs> they feel like they're getting a shortcut where they don't have to work as hard or they're getting some, like, some kind of insight. The pop quiz thing where Sean was like, we're getting insight here, even yeah. though it was just studying for a test it's one of those things where they need to feel like they're taking the easy way so that they can get i don't know if it's that they feel like they're taking the easy way i think specifically for eric and sean it's that they feel that the systems that are in place don't work for them yeah and like sean's like i'm never going to be that cookie cutter student and eric's like I'm just not a good test taker. Yeah. I'm just not that person. So when you give them something where they can be like, hey, do you want to know how you can get around the system? They're like, yes, because yeah. the system isn't made for me. And yeah. and that's I'm how I see it. Yeah, I'm realizing why I relate so strongly to Sean. I'm like, I get it. The system's not for us. Exactly. Man. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think that that's it. Yeah. I think that they're both like, the system's not made for me. And I'm not, I'm never going to be a Corey or a Topanga or a Jason. Yeah. That's not who I am. I have other talents. I have other skills, which is why when Eric, when that girl tells Eric that she just doesn't think he's smart enough to get it, he's really insulted because it's like, yo, I know that, but like, I didn't know it came off that way. Sure, sure. Um, And then, which is why, as you said earlier, but Sean, when Sean's like, oh, hey, we're getting inside information. No, you're studying. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone else does, but you needed to go about it a different way. Me telling you to do your homework, you're like, I don't do homework. I'm bad at homework. But me telling you, hey, do you want to like read a paper and like get extra credit? Yeah. (laughs) And you know what's really funny? Because you were talking about how like um, uh, Turner and Sean were like these kind of mirror images where Turner understands Sean in a way that like they, they just relate it seems as though Feeney's that way with Eric, where Feeney's like, you know what? I know how he he learns, and I know what's best for him and how he can go about getting to that goal in a way that other people, his parents, his friends, don't quite understand. So that mentorship aspect that we're going to see between specifically these four characters so much in the next season of just them really depending on their mentors to help them through and the importance of mentors, male mentors. Male mentors who aren't your father. Yeah. Which is very interesting. You know why? And I think it's because Alan is Corey's hero. Yeah. But Chet is not Sean's. Yeah. And Alan's not Eric's. It's interesting that the these paternal relationships get so much storyline, so much understanding. When maternal relationships are hardly... It's called Boy Meets World. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I mean, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but just to even, like, not, I, I don't know. Because Topanga never gets a mentor. 
Um, that's what I, I said. What I said. It's yeah. called Boy Meets World, yeah. and she doesn't. And that's kind of one of the downfalls of a character like Topanga and like Amy. They they're smart, and because they're smart, they don't need guidance. They don't need someone yeah. to tell them what to do because they get it. And the boys, they need assistance. I mean, think about it again. If you want to talk about to that episode of them. Uh, cheating or, or what they assumed was cheating boys, yeah uh turner's like hey good boys you know he's like he treats them like they're puppies like yeah. they're like they're small and they don't know what to do and it's just like oh do you even know why he was mad at you and they're like yeah. no we don't but like topanga's never talked down to that way yeah. um and it's a good thing because what they're saying is she's strong and independent but the thing about being strong and independent is in a way that Minkus, remember how Minkus was also someone who was smart and like Mr. Feeney still understood that as smart and as intuitive as you are, there are shortcuts and limitations to what that will get you in the real world. And this is why you need to be taught different things. And I think as Topanga gets older, she's inherently smart, but they use Feeney kind of as her mentor. It's not a direct one-for-one, but whenever she does need that guidance, Feeney is like, no, I understand that you're smart, but you still need to know these things. You need to know that your smarts aren't always going to get you out of a situation. Well, what's also really interesting about that point is that it seems as though as they expand the student cast, the list of mentors shrinks. We lose Jonathan, and we kind of lose Alan as that mentor as well. Feeney kind of becomes everyone's pseudo-mentor, which why I think he has this kind of grandpa legacy in pop culture of just being everyone's Mr. Feeney, because he really was to everyone on that show. Even Alan and Amy started going to Feeney for advice. You're right. He stops being Eric's mentor. Well, sorry. He goes from being Corey's mentor. Yeah. Corey's co-mentor. Because his father is one. Yeah. And then, again, in the first season, we had Alan and Feeney taking two different approaches. Father versus teacher. And then, in this season, Eric uh, and Turner are kind of who Feeney spends most of his time with. Sure. But as we get older and as the show gets older, they still want that mentor relationship. But they're like, we can't just have all these mentors coming and going. Yeah. We'll just put it all on Feeney. And and you're right. I think, yeah. I think you're accurate. Because, um, I mean, I'm not going to go there, but I, there's one episode in particular that I'm thinking of in the future, oh. so to say, that specifically talks about how even some characters who don't know Feeney that well and don't have this history with him understand his weight and influence as a teacher sure totally anything else to say about this jason's last episode i think yeah i think so too well what's really funny about that is when jason goes that's it i'm out or he said something like this i was like yeah it's actually kind of funny because i think you are out i think um the only other thing i had written here was um do you know what sat stands for sat (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, again but it's like what's funny at this point in time is eric's not and, and the way that he is, it's like Eric can always just be explained as being overworked or overthinking it. Yeah. Not necessarily dumb, but just overthinking it. Sure. Um, and then, oh, the two things I wanted to end on this. One, um, you're right, this episode had a lot, and I think it's interesting because it sets us up, it sets the show up for what will be the continue, the rest of the yeah, series. Yeah. 
and uh, it sets us up for next season in a different tone. And it sets us up for more complex story structures too, which are, are going to start happening more and more. But it also gives us that heart in a yeah. way that what I love about it is the window is like just such a yeah a, a thing that we keep coming back to, and and just freedom, what it means. Well, I love how when you know the Corey and Sean are having this conversation because again, it comes back to Corey and Sean, and. Sean's like, well, what's it like to be a kept dog? You know, and yeah. he's just like, oh, you know, this is this. And they're having fun with it. And Sean's like, well, what if I don't like it? And he goes, well, I'll make sure my parents put in a doggy door. And yeah. Sean's like, no, leave a window open. And it's like, that's, again, I don't come through the door. Yeah. I, this is, I, I do things my way and just leave a window open. Yeah. And I think that that's, again, it, it's not only that, but it goes back to what Turner said, which is like, I'm giving you a window. This is such a great episode. This yeah. is, and this is, you know what? It's this caliber of episode that I think has made us rate some of the other episodes this season really low because we knew that the potential for this kind of complex story was there. Absolutely. And they just were never able to get all the pieces set in place where they, in this episode, it feels like they really were able to create a really strong script. It's one of those things where when you watch like an episode like this, it makes you almost forgive everything else. And yep. it makes you think that as a network runner, you watch an episode like this and you're like, there's something there. Yeah. Totally. You know, and it's just like a, in any other, a, who knows if this show would have like lasted. I mean, like the remake did. Which yeah. Is, uh, a thing to uh, prove, but it's like, I don't know if it would have gone as long as it did. If, if it was in the market that it's in right now or that we have right now with Netflix yeah. and everything else. The fact that some showrunner looked at this and was like, you know, honestly, it's not the greatest, but there's something about this show. And Boy Meets World, I mean, you have to give them credit. Like, they've tried, they've like, tried everything. like, five <laughs> different setups for this show. Yeah. But then when they were able to get it, when they were able to kind of, it's the, they're scientists, they, they keep messing with this formula, and once they're able to get the formula down, they're great at it. That's what I'm saying. It's like, they are, you're right, they're mixing and matching. Yeah. A lot right now. Not as much as we need them to with Amy. Even with, like, all that like, Griff stuff, they're still experimenting. Absolutely. I mean, and that's a, the Griff thing is a perfect example. Yeah. But we can get into more of this yeah. in our next episode, which will be our report card for Season 2. Season 2 recap. Excited for it. All right. Uh, do you have anything else to say about this episode? Uh, No, it was great. All right. So, what is the lesson of this episode? What is your Feeny thought? Oh my god. I mean, jeez. Uh, <laughs> uh, some dogs have to howl at the moon, you know? Oh, I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. That's really good. Um, I guess my, my Feeny lesson of this would be what we said earlier leave a window open. Yeah. It's just like a, do things your own way. Sure. You know? Sure. It's like, it's, it's sometimes it's going to be harder. Um, you're going to be unsure about it, but you got to do what you feel is right. Totally. You know? So. I'm behind that, and I, I mean, we kind of hit on it, but I really liked how once Sean, sorry, once Turner was like, how about I give you a place? He was like, this just feels right, you know? Yeah. It was like, it, it felt more his and, and one thing I do want to say just about this, because we are kind of wrapping up the season, Turner was a new character this season. Yeah. And now we're at this episode, you couldn't even take him out of the show without the whole thing crumbling. So, like, just how he, they were able to really use him this season was really spectacular. Exactly. Okay. Um, what grade are you giving this? 
Can we give this episode an A? It's an A episode to yeah. me. I, I feel like, again, this is the, some of the strongest writing we've seen all season. I felt like most characters, if not all characters, their storylines wrapped up really nicely. Because um, even like when you talk about like Harley, the Kiner crew, they have Griff now. Like they're yeah. set. Their their central conflict is gone. So yeah. there's no point in bringing them in. Topanga never had a central conflict. So it really just felt like this was the episode that we needed, and they were able to do it in a way that was really, um, really respectful to all the characters. So. I mean, we said this before, and I feel like we'll talk a lot about it next episode as well. But I feel like this show could benefit from the Netflix format of, like, 10, 12 episodes. 100%. Because what we've what we've done so far is, we've you and I, we've talked a lot about all of the different episodes and how it fluctuates, but it's just, like, you had 22 episodes. So, you know not what, all though, of them are going to be this. I wonder if we would appreciate these episodes as much. Oh, I think we would. I, I'd like I to, think we would, to, because you and I have talked about forgetting yeah, so many yeah. of this one. I guess just, like, having the variety of, like, a comedic episode versus a more dramatic episode. True, but you're going to tell me that, what was that one we had where it was just, like, I think you gave it, like, an F. Yeah. Like, you're you're right. that there's, was necessary. There, there, there's been definitely filler episodes. And any network show, like, you're right, that has north of 20 episodes is going to have filler episodes. So, um, I don't know about 10, maybe 12. Yeah, that's what I said. Like a twelve, like a twelve, thirteen, even. Yeah, thirteen. It's like it's. I feel like this. We'll talk about it more next week. All right. So, uh, I have to say, I was going to give this a B. Not just like watching on first imprint, but now that we've talked about it a little bit, and we've really talked about like the different ways that it reflects each other. Or sorry, it reflects certain storylines and it sets it up. I, I agree with you. This is definitely an A episode. It's totally. not like an A plus, but it's an You know why? Because a. it's not as enjoyable of an episode to watch. I think that's what kind of takes it out for me from being like an A plus like For me, like I it's more of it feels like a continuation yeah. of the previous episode. And that's why it's like, uh, I feel like if it could stand a little bit more on its own, sure. that'd be fine. But it just relies heavily on the previous one. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Um, that's it for the season. Yeah, guys, yeah. we got through season two. And I've been telling y'all, these were the <laughs> toughest ones. So Yeah, so again, let's hold off yeah, and yeah. talk a little bit more. But um, homework, do you have any homework? Uh, yeah, you know what? I just kind of want to give a big ups to Ice Cube. Um, <laughs> Ice Cube just released a new record. He has a new song out. Shut up. Uh, How do dude, I not know this? It's so good. I'll play some for you and maybe play a yeah. little clip for it here, too. But. You know the beat so sweet like booty meat. You know the beat so sweet like booty meat. No matter who you meet, you can move your feet. Come through bumping that new Funkadelli. He also released these videos um, for some of his songs he has on his new album, which songs like Arrest the President. <laughs> like, Ice Cube came with NWA-style fierce I'm on this really, album. I'm here for that. But he has some YouTube videos of just him kind of doing like a, a no audio track, spoken word type of thing of his video. And huh. you're just like, dude... This is the guy who wrote Friday. This is the guy who was putting on the big three. Like, this guy is killing it in so many aspects. And I feel like his name doesn't come up when we're talking about the Jay-Z's and the Diddy's and the entrepreneurs of the world, but of hip-hop especially. But you would be hard-pressed to find someone with as diverse and as, like, um... Because even, like, when you think about Diddy, like, 
yeah, he's a great businessman, but as an artist, I don't necessarily know that he has the same reputation or repertoire as Ice Cube. So, um, I mean, even Boys in the Hood, just everything Ice Cube, I'm just promoting right now. I'm in California, y'all, and I'm repping it. I'm repping Cube, yay, yay. <laughs> okay, cool, thanks. Um, so mine is tis the season, it's the holiday season, and the great debate always comes back on whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yeah, 100% is. Uh, I'm with you, I'm team Christmas movie. Yep. But uh, I think everyone deserves the right to argue for themselves, so I'm going to recommend watching Die Hard. Ooh. Uh, and you know what, I'm going to myself, I'll sign myself the homework, watching Die Hard 2. I haven't watched Die Hard 2 uh, in quite some time. You know what? I have, there was a period when I watched all the diehards in preparation for the one with Justin Long that was going to come out. Um, Actually, I'm not going to lie. I like that one. That I, one is pure I like it fun. Too. But you know why I think that one is so cool is because the whole idea of like technology failing our society and how easy it would be for, te- for society to crumble without technology. I think that storyline really resonated because there's a lot of silliness in that movie. Too. Yeah. Well that, and then also I think it was honestly, it kind of not paved the way, but it like um, preluded the rocks form of action movie. Sure, you know what I mean? Because like, like, it's so ridiculous, but it's so enjoyable. But it's enjoyable to see a car crash through a helicopter. Like this <laughs> yes, is why I pay yes. money for a damn movie ticket. <laughs> exactly, because you're like the Die Hard franchise up to that point. It was like it was Die Hard. It was like a serious thing. And we just like. And he was also a human. Yeah. That's the big thing. The Rock has never been, like, for the, <laughs> I don't know one movie where I'm like, oh, that's just a human being. You're right. No like, superpowers. Did you ever see Rampage with the Rock? I didn't even. I didn't Dude, see it. I'm not going to lie. Worth watching, but nothing's believable. You're like, yeah. oh, so we're just we're just jumping out of helicopters and landing our ankles. <laughs> and Skyscraper, the whole premise of this movie is him doing an impossible jump. Impossible. Like... Someone of his build? <laughs> no. But I love it. We're always here with it. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, mine will be to watch Die Hard, the original Die Hard, um, and then I will watch Die Hard 2. Feel free to join me. Give me your feedback. But uh, you guys have, I will say again, I w- we're going to talk more about this next. You guys have been awesome at yeah. like, just feedback and letting us know where we mess up and all this other stuff. So thank you for listening to Broad Beats World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, all of the places that you listen. Uh, make sure to leave us a rating. Make sure that you reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram uh, or Facebook, all at Bra Meets World. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. You can find me at BraverMe, at dot braver dot me, or you can find me uh, with Siege about to go see Spider-Man in like an hour. Oh yeah, <laughs> we're about to see this Spider-Man movie. Black uh, Spider-Man, y'all. It's time. I'm hearing it's like, I mean, I'm just hearing really good things. So give yeah. us the feedback on that as well. All right, remember to dream. Try. And do some good. Yeah, yeah. Later, bro. Later.